You're listening to Gifted with Sheila White, a podcast that will inspire you. Its purpose is to uplift and entertain creatives to pursue their passions through their gifts. Sheila White is a film and television producer, author, and entrepreneur. And in each episode, Sheila talks with gifted individuals about their journey and the lessons they've learned. It will also inspire you to make an impact living your best purpose-driven life with clarity. And now, here's your host, Sheila White. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Grab a pen, call a friend, and get ready to be inspired. I am so excited today because I have a friend with me today, uh, Miss Andy Berger. She is an international speaker, corporate trainer, educator, business owner, writer, media talent, public relations and marketing consultant, and a nonprofit executive and community ambassador. Andy is also the founder of Voices Against Trafficking. It's an international organization that networks with other nonprofit individuals and businesses and social groups together to be a powerful collective voice in the fight against human trafficking. Um, Andy is also the co-founder of Beulah's Place, which is located in Redmond, Oregon, It's a shelter for the homeless teens whose mission is to provide victims and at-risk youth, kids. It it provides healing, and most of all, it provides hope in a non-judgment environment. I am so excited and delighted to have her with us today. She's also the author of a book called A Fragile Thread of Hope, One Survivor's Quest to Rescue. And I have that book. It's a great read. Actually, a true story. Everything that happened, it's it's one of those things you think, did that happen? Could that have happened? This actually happened. And it's an awesome, awesome, um, awesome book. Andy, welcome. Welcome today. Well, thank you, Sheila. So good to be a part of this and bless you guys for, for putting the show together. It's an honor to be with you. You know, Andy, there is so much that that you have been doing in the community all over the world, um, you know, working with human trafficking situations. But we want to talk a little bit about um, how this all got started, because I've heard your story, you know, more than one time. And um, tell us a little bit about the backstory of what happened to you as a little girl and how this, you know, all of this just kind of brought up us up to the present day. So give us that story about when you were a little girl in the truck and all of that. I think that's so awesome. Absolutely. Well, before there was a term called human trafficking way back uh, in the early 60s uh, when I was born, just after dirt and before the creation of fire. <laughs> uh, I, I was actually uh, trafficked by all immediate family members and some extended family members from the ages of six months uh, to 17 years old. And so my first memory of my birth mother was being chased with a butcher knife through the house because and uh, I had put my hands on her wallpaper, which was a a definite no-no. And so she's screaming, yelling, telling me she's going to cut me up. And Mm -hmm. I ran into my room wondering if I was going to die at the age of three. And so uh, this continued along with all the other, you know, the sexual, emotional, uh, physical abuse. And by the age of five, Sheila, Mm -hmm. I, I just felt like I couldn't make it. And so I thought, you know, 
she's already threatened to kill me. I may as well just go and beat her to the punch. So I went down to the curb of my house. And normally that street was very busy, but this particular day it wasn't. And so as I'm sitting there, I'm looking up into this huge blue sky Mm. and I'm thinking, you know, I wonder who made that? How big is it? How far does it go? You know, typical little questions. Right. And in that time, as I'm looking up into this huge sky, I I heard this voice in my heart loud and clear, clear as you and I are speaking right now, that said, this is not the way. This is not the plan I have for you. And suicide is not the answer. Mm. And I trusted that voice. I felt peace. I felt calm. And I just sat there for a little while because, I mean, really, how would I even know what the word suicide meant? Mm. So. That was the real God thing right there. And I went up to the garage and I kind of stood against it. And I just said in my little five-year-old voice, if you keep me alive, I will do whatever you call me to do. Not really understanding how long and painful that journey would be. Wow. Um, because at the age of 17, that was the last time my birth mother tried to kill me by choking me to death. Wow. And that's so traumatic. I mean, that's like, you know, five, six years years old, something like that, having an experience like that, you know, where you wanted to just die because of the abuse of your parents, what you were suffering in your home. It's different if you were a foster child or maybe orphaned and came into a house, but this is your your birth family that's treating yep. you bad like this. And did anyone else in the home realize what was going on or was it just well, a suffering in silence thing? Well, my birth brother also received the same treatment I did. He was four years older. And oh. so if one of us wasn't being violated, you could hear the other one being violated. So we were, you know, basically put up, shut up. If anybody finds out, we're going to kill you. You know, you couldn't talk to anyone. And Mm. in those days, there wasn't a place to go to. Mm. Uh, When I got old enough to try and call uh, a counseling line at a Christian college, they basically said, well, you know, we can help you, which was the hope part. But the the downside was, but you have to bring your parents because you're a minor. Mm. And so, you know, if you have to bring the abusers with you, that's not going to happen. Wow. Um, but, you know, it was just a different day and age. We didn't even talk about child abuse back then, barely. Right. So um, I think there were people that knew and suspected mm-hmm. because she was a teacher and my birth father was a salesperson. But again, nobody said mm. what they saw or what they thought. Wow. And, Wow, that's, you know, it makes me think now about, um, you know, the pandemic that we're in. A lot of children are being, you know, going through e-learning. They're at home, possibly with the abuser. um, And the cases are up now um, dramatically as far as not only just women abused, but children, you know, that are being abused. And, And so this whole sex trafficking thing, what do you say about that? What do you think about that? I mean, the people, the children, they have nowhere to go. They can't go to a a location to even get a break. So they're at home 24-7 with their abusers. You know, what do you say to those children to cope? Yeah, they're trapped. And that's, uh, we do know that there's at least a 40% rise in domestic violence. Okay. Mm -hmm. We can't really get the exponential numbers now of trafficking because the reporting, we rely on Mm -hmm. reporting, right? And Mm -hmm. if the kids can't report or go somewhere safe. Um, Even though we have hotlines and helplines on our websites and stuff, you have to be able, that child has to be able to get to a phone or some Mm -hmm. way to communicate, which when you're trapped with an abuser, 
like mm-hmm. in familial trafficking, family mm-hmm. trafficking, like I was, mm-hmm. you're controlled and they're covered because they're your bloodline, right? Um, mm-hmm. So these kids, you know, uh, again, besides, you know, we do have hotlines, we do have, um, you know, some things to help, but when they're mm-hmm. trapped like that, the best thing they can do is um, try and appease the mm-hmm. abusers the best they can and mm-hmm. hopefully communicate somehow with mm-hmm. somebody they trust or find a moment where maybe they can trust somebody else. Let's say they, they happen to be in a diner, like one okay. little boy was, and the waitress saw him mm-hmm. and she asked, do you need help? And he managed to write, okay, on the back of the menu. But, um, you know, that's rare. We don't oh. see that. So we need to be better neighbors, better, better uh, observers mm-hmm. so that when do feel like there's something wrong with the situation, whether it's a a man to a, a female child or vice versa, because young boys are being trafficked heavily as well now. So mm-hmm. we have lost our sensitivity, our value, mm-hmm. children in this country. Right. Wow, that's so sad. I mean, every time I think about it and hear it, it just grips my heart so much. And and that's why I love your story, because it's a real story. You're able to relate to children, you know, going through that. It's not like you were an adult or, you know, you were an older person, but you were a child that had been going through this type of abuse. And I can only imagine now it's like it's an epidemic. It's really an epidemic because you have, you know, like you said, the children can't report it. They can't get away from the abusers and and they're locked in, you know, and, and that's something that's so um, just devastating and because they can't even get to the, the churches are even closed in a lot of cases or there's only a small amount of people that can make a reservation to get there. So you can't even get to a priest or to a pastor to even talk um, after, you know, a service or something. It's just, it's an epidemic. And when you talk about the, the insensitivity to it, uh, let's talk a little bit more about that because people may be in the airport or something. I know we talked about airplanes and how, you know, there's a man maybe with a little, you know, five month old child and it doesn't have any clothes. Let's talk about that aspect of, of the trafficking, because a lot of times we think it's just in a big semi truck, you know, going across town. Yeah. But let's talk about the other ways that they're trafficking these children, um, like through airplanes. And what are some of the stories that are out there that people are doing? Right, exactly. Um, it's not just uh, trucks, like you said, at truck stops. That you know, that was a traditional thought, and it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But right. um, a lot of these industries are waking up to the fact that airplanes, boats, uh, any of the cities that have ports, you know, very mm-hmm. easy to to put a bunch of people in a container. As horrible as that sounds, wow. you know, uh, it's true. Or to uh, right now, it's a free for all at the border. And kids are being sold. Traffickers have the upper hand right now. Mm-hmm. But even in every day, someone out there may be saying, well, what about my neighborhood? Well, in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, cars, uh, we have people that are using moving vans. For example, uh, oh. in our area last year, mm-hmm. uh, there was a gentleman with a young woman. She's probably 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. And he stopped at a homeless shelter in our area for the night. Wow. Okay. He tried to communicate with someone that she did not want to go with that man, that there was Mm -hmm. something wrong, but Mm -hmm. he was pretty smart and he figured it out and grabbed her and ended up running back into the moving van, right? Because that looks normal. Oh, somebody's moving in out of town. Right. And 
off they went before um, law enforcement could be alerted. Mm. So, you know, you want to encourage kids to be aware. You want to, why don't we have wellness checks, you know, during this time of extreme tension, Mm -hmm. not just in the country, but in our families. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just go to someone's house. These kids can't get to urgent care, even Mm -hmm. if they could run to a doctor. And Mm -hmm. so um, all those different avenues. But the great news, Sheila, there is hope. Yes. Here's why I share my story, because almost decades later, look what God Mm. has done. I have an amazing marriage. Yes. I have been successful. Yes. But none of that success compares to Mm -hmm. when we've rescued a teen off the street and we see them smile for the first time, get a job, move out on their own. We have many that are in college and going on to careers. Yes. And so... When wow. Ed and I, my husband and I started Beulah's mm-hmm. Place in mm-hmm. 2008, mm-hmm. we wanted to offer these kids something. And and yes, it was before COVID, which has changed how we've had to operate. Wow. Uh, we, we now have to try and get these kids that are living in cars. And some of them are working, but they're still living in cars because there's no safe place for them. Mm. Uh, people are not opening their doors, you know, to our wow. kids. Because, wow. Oh, well, COVID, right? Well, mm-hmm. yeah. You know. Yeah. Anybody could have that. Wow. Um, wow. The kids we rescued, thank you, God, have been uh, healthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have not had COVID. Yeah. And yeah. they're still trying to live their life. But these kids have no safe place to go. So they run to the streets. Mm, wow. And the streets are not safe. Mm, wow. You know, it, it, let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of the campaigns that you have run. I know we were with you a couple of years ago and we were with the, involved in a campaign. Um, how does a person add their voice to a campaign to let people know what's going on and to just speak up? You know, some what does, let's first talk a little bit about some of the campaigns that you've run in the past. You know, I know in sure. 2020 there's, you know, you had a campaign in July. You know, let's talk about that and letting people know what you did to help make a difference, you know, for, for this situation. Absolutely. What uh, a great friend of mine, uh, her name's Alice, a great prayer partner. We were praying one day and she hit it on the head. She said, Andy, you've been serving and addressing symptoms of the issue through your shelter, your local, your regional shelter, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. But with voices trafficking, which I was inspired to start um, in January of 2020, mm-hmm. she said, you're going after the root of the issue and you're going to be able mm-hmm. to help save thousands more. And so yeah. Voices became the expansion from Beulah's Place. And and you're right, last year we had a huge campaign. We had a four-hour uh, live virtual international anti-trafficking we, uh, campaign. We had someone from the White House, from the Vatican, from multiple countries. We had okay. speakers that had firsthand experience, front lines. Right, with right. What's happening. Mm-hmm. And so now we're doing that every quarter, just a oh. shorter plan. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. It's you're making a difference. You know, you're not just saying I had this situation happen to me. I'm just going to bury it and live my life. But your life, you're standing up courageously, making a difference, marching forward and saying, you know what, I'm going to rescue some other children, some other girls, some other young people. Um, and and that's so courageous. I know one story that um, we were talking about is a few years ago about the airlines, you know, about yeah. how these children are coming through the airlines. And it's like some of the airline stewardess are like watching and they're starting, they're noticing things and signs to look for. 
Is that something that's that initiative still intact today when there's suspicions? Let's talk a little bit about that initiative across the airways of uh, travel. Yeah. Sure. Well, Nancy Rivard, uh, founder of Airline Ambassadors, she mm-hmm. herself was an airline attendant and together with Innocence at Risk Mm. uh, with Deborah Sigmund, they created a training platform. And so she literally goes and she trains the employees of any airline. She's not paid by the airlines, but she's independent. And so she wants to make sure that they can recognize signs of trafficking Mm -hmm. and make sure that the airlines are accountable for training every employee for signs of potential trafficking. Wow. Like, uh, there was a woman with two girls on an airline, and there was actually someone from the Department of Justice on that flight, Bill mm. Wolf, and he noticed a situation that, that was a trafficking situation, and mm. yet the airline attendant didn't seem to know what to do. And so Nancy and, and Deborah fight to make sure that the training for airline personnel mm-hmm. is across And I believe it was last year Mm -hmm. in one fell swoop, they rescued 82 women and children uh, in another country Mm -hmm. from trafficking because on the airlines, uh, they figured out what was happening and what to do about it. So we're trying to make that movement. Mm -hmm. This is a human rights movement at its core. Wow. Mm. And ensure that as many people get educated, that we create awareness, you know, nationally and Mm -hmm. globally. And Mm -hmm. as you mentioned earlier, we want people to add their voice and they can do that Mm -hmm. by going to voicesagainsttrafficking.com and simply say, add my voice. I'm Jane Doe. I want to be part of the solution. Now, can you talk about a little bit of the symptoms? Because a lot of people do not realize how big of a problem this is. I mean, they think it's somewhere in a third world country or something. They don't realize right here in America the, the vastness of this problem. So what are the signs that a regular person could look for to see if there's a girl or a young man that may be in trouble and, and you know, they're just thinking, well, you know, they don't even know what to look for, but they could report if they know. So what are some of the signs that you may, that people can in, recognize to be able to go get help for a person or something? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I know just from my experience, I would never give anyone eye contact. I would Mm. be very, my body language was very stiff, very, uh, don't touch me. You know, if I, especially Mm. with the user right there, right? Right, I would try to not be touched. Um, I would say very little if anybody approached me, even if it was, say, a cashier at a big box store, right? Trying to conversation. But the other part of it is usually if you're, let's say you're, you're in your market or you're in a, a bank or someplace that you're used to going to right, and right. You see that a child, whether you know that child or not, or a young okay. person okay. is dressed uh, maybe inappropriately for their mm, age. Okay, okay. Okay. And they're with somebody that maybe doesn't really act or look like a family member would. Mm. Um, the body language. Mm. I tell people usually your gut instinct is mm-hmm. correct. Wow. But you don't want to accuse everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So go to your local law enforcement in your area, ask them, what can I report? What, you know, what do you want me to report? Okay. But see something that bothers you, you're probably on the right track. So say something. Wow. Either get a license plate number, uh, maybe casually pretend you're doing a selfie, right? right. And take a picture, you know, okay. of okay. the person that you think, you know, right, right, without right. alarming anyone. Yes, yes. 
small things like that. And you can, all, it's better to be safe than sorry. If anyone mm. would have done that for me, my life would have been different. Wow. Now let's talk about Beulah's Place because this is the rescue. This is the haven for uh, young girls and boys and just in general. What are some of the services that Beulah's Place offers to, you know, some of the victims? Um, some of the things that you guys are doing now uh, there at the, at the uh, location. What we're doing now, Sheila, mm -hmm. uh, COVID definitely impacted our safe house yes. system. We'll manage to have um, mm -hmm. ways to get these kids housed uh, okay. for the holidays. We ended up putting a lot of them in hotel rooms. But at this point, we still offer, um, we, we definitely mentor. Okay. We will approach these kids and say, you know, do you need food? Do you need clothing? Do you mm. need help? If they're referred to us, yes. we find out again, what, what do they want? What is their plan? Okay. Many of them are in deep depression. Mm. So uh, we really have to pray through. We had one girl. I honestly wasn't sure mm -hmm. uh, what was going to happen. I felt like I had tried everything, mm. but uh, God knew what needed to be done. And the next morning got a text from her saying, I want to try. I want to be part of the program. I want to try and do this. And she's doing well now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is um, we still provide medical, dental, mm -hmm. education, mm -hmm. whether it's high school, make sure they finish high school GED or diploma, okay. make sure they get a job right away, which we help them get. Mm -hmm. And then that they can sustain that so that they can eventually rent. And wow. I don't know about your area, but rents yeah. are astronomical in ours. Wow. It's hard for a, a teen, like a bottom level apartment is seven fifty a month mm. plus deposit plus first and last. So where does a young person, how do they save mm. $2,000? Right, know, right. Rent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's tough. So we work with them, whether they're in a car, a trailer, uh, we rent couches, so to speak, you know, from people mm. if they'll just let us put somebody there for a break. Mm -hmm, and, um, but the kids that are in college are doing well and they're giving back. So we're just trying to be as creative as, as possible. Now, Buell, I, I mean, I know, um, Andy, that um, faith plays an important part in your life. Yeah. The reason why you're doing what you're doing. Um, how does that make an impact on your life in the mission that and your calling that you have? Talk about your faith a little bit, how that has pulled you through these times. Absolutely. Uh, even in my own life, it was Jesus that made it possible for me to keep moving mm. because I wanted to give up several times. I had tried to take my life another couple of times after that first time mm. because I didn't take it. I didn't think I would make it, that I was mm. strong enough. Wow. And yeah. So, and he met me there every time and, and kept me from jumping out of a two-story window and kept wow. me from cutting my wrists yeah. uh, through interesting ways. But he always provided a sign or a person wow. or a stranger at the yeah. right moment. Yeah. And so uh, through that, that was blind faith. But then um, unfortunately through a divorce, uh, well, not mm. unfortunate for what came out of it, but right, you know, right. Divorce. And God really showed me who he was as provider, counselor, friend, you know, that the mm. Lord was somebody that, that walked with me. And I, for the first time, had experiential knowledge of love yes, you know, and of, of compassion and mercy and grace. Wow. And through that, I met Ed and we've been married 21 years. Wow. And we actually adopted one of the girls we rescued last year. So Aww. we're official mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. It's amazing. And so 
um, there was a mission, uh, a statement, what I consider my mission statement about okay. peculiar treasures. Mm. And uh, if you don't mind, I just want to read the two sentences. Sure. So it's sure. the way it and okay. this is from someone unknown, but it came to me at a time where I was trying to figure out after a number of brain injuries, what am I going to do with my life? And mm. this is kind of how Beulah's Place came about and now Voices. Mm. And it said, go and get the cast out, the downtrodden, the least likely that others have given mm. up on and tell them I have chosen them to be my wow. jewels. Mm. I will dig them out of the pit, chisel them according to my will, polish them up. And set them aside as my peculiar treasures. That is God speaking to any of us who have been in a pit, whether it's trafficking or something else. Mm. And he rescued me out of the pit mm. just because I believed, because I said, yes, Lord, I believe, you wow. know. Wow. And he is going on to do greater things mm -hmm. through his grace in my life. And so that is how I get up every morning. Uh, despite a lot of physical uh, adversity and, and things that have gone on in my body and my, and just, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. But every day, despite all things, God has been my breath. And is that one of the inspirations for your book, A Fragile Thread of Hope? I, mean, I read it. It's just so, oh, it's one of the things you have a box of tissues near, near you. Uh, <laughs> is that part of your reason for wanting to tell the story, uh, A Fragile yes. Thread of Hope? Is that is that it? That is it because that was not the first book I thought I would write, Sheila. I'm going to mm. just tell you straight up. Wow. You know, I wow. Have another book uh, in line, but it was the book for such a time as this. And okay. because I have a great writer, Kay Ferris, who took a tough topic and mm. made it powerful. Um, and we had stories from real kids that not mm. all of them were trafficked in that book, but all yeah. different kinds yeah. of teenagers. People would understand they're not the enemy. They're not criminals. They are just young souls trying to make it through life. Wow. You know, what What would you say to a young person that may be listening um, that's going through something difficult? They may be in that moment, in that room, just listening on, on air, um, looking for a spark of hope, something to hold on to, you know, speak to that young person, or it could be even an older person that's going through something. You've been there, done that and survived, you know, speak to the heart and to the ear of that person so that they can know that there is a beacon of light on the other end. I will tell you this, that God loves you and that you are not alone and that this is not his doing, that any harm that is being done to you is because people have free will, just like they did in my life. But that child, you are so loved. And right now, if you are struggling, if you're being harmed, being hurt, um, there are safe numbers to call. There's safe things to do. But in this moment, you are not alone and you can make it. Wow. Uh, I would say, you know, take this moment, one moment at a time and say, I choose to win. I choose to live and uh, ask God to help you with that. Even if you don't know who he is right now, I didn't until I was on that curb. And mm -hmm. so he's real. He loves you. And Jesus loves all the children, no matter what age you are. If that child within you has not been loved, this is the time, this is the moment to do that, to ask him for his help. Wow. 
Andy, what's next? What's one of the next initiatives or what's coming up next at Beulah's Place that you would like for us to know about to help to support? Well, on June 30th, we are going to have another uh, international uh, forum by uh, over Zoom on Facebook and YouTube. And so June 30th, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific would be uh, 1 p.m. Central. I believe. And so we're going to give more uh, stories and share more information on how your viewers and listeners can be more aware, be educated and do something uh, that will help us turn the tide against the traffickers for a change. And so we will have that on June 30th. And then as far as Beulah's place goes, we need the simple stuff, you know, simple supplies, uh, Simple snacks. If somebody mm-hmm. feels inclined and they'd like to donate a couple dollars, go to Beulahsplace.org, B-E-U-L-A-H-S Place dot O-R-G. We always need a kid to be sponsored in some way when they're in school mm-hmm. and there's a way to donate directly. There's also helplines and hotlines. Wow. Uh, for for those of you who may want to put them in your cell phone, which I highly encourage, so that if you think you see a situation, you're not sure what to do, call one of those helplines or hotlines, mm-hmm. and they'll guide you. And this way, you don't have to put yourself in harm's way, but you can still be proactive. Wow. Thank you so much, Andy. You know, this has been so much great information. I love how you spoke to the heart of that individual out there that may be listening or to a person that will look at the signs of maybe someone in the airport or or happen to notice someone, you know, especially with the border situation that we have here going on now. I know that's a hot spot, as you mentioned. So you've brought a lot of awareness to a lot of people that don't realize how big of a problem this is. You know, it's right here in our backyards in America and it's widespread and it's happening 24-7 around the world. But it's a big problem right here in America and a lot of our, our states that we don't even think anything is going on. But friends, we're, we're just about out of time. I just want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank our guest again, Andy Berger. Uh, please, please visit her website. Find out more of what's going on. Please um, be with them when they're uh, doing this initiative, the next initiative that that is coming up. If you did not hear the entire broadcast, you can please visit our website for for more information and for more updates. That's at www.roadtoeternity.net. And remember, you are uniquely designed and strategically gifted. Thank you so much, Andy. Keep doing the work that you're doing. You are truly a beacon of light and you are truly a gift, God's gift to us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Gifted with Sheila White. We hope you understand how your gifts can make an impact on the world. Gifted with Sheila White is produced by Road to Eternity, a film and television production company. 